Welcome and thank you for joining me for tea. My name is Glenda Thomas and today I want to speak on a subject entitled What is on you is necessary to birth what is in you. I'll say that again. What is on you is necessary to birth what is in you. In 2 Timothy, 2nd chapter, verses 3 and 4 from the King James Version, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, and the reason for this is that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. In Isaiah 66 and verse 9 it says, Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith thy God? And we're going to delve into both of these passages of scripture. Um, but before we do, in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it tells us that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this teaching today. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His plans for us are so very intentional. And even though we live in times and in a culture that may give the impression that we should aspire to live a life that is problem-free, God, if he does not orchestrate it himself, chooses to use the pressures and problems in our lives to fulfill the plans and purposes that he has for us. In 2 Timothy, Paul is addressing the subject of hardness with Timothy, and he tells him, Therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. His counsel to Timothy was that sometimes life is going to throw you a curveball. Sometimes, Timothy, things are going to be hard. But because of some other things that have already been established, you are to therefore endure hardness. I can only imagine the lump Timothy must have had in his throat as he pondered these words from Paul. And if he's anything like you and I, I'm sure he had questions. Endure hardness? Really? Therefore? Why? How? The word therefore in the passage lets us know that there is something that preceded Paul's instruction to Timothy, and it is found in chapter 1. In chapter 1, Paul reminded Timothy of how he has been equipped to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and he does it by first reminding him of who he is. God is not in the business of requiring from us what he has not first equipped us with. 
When we get the who we are in God figured out, the what we can do in God is a natural response and the answer to our why becomes very obvious. So Paul first deals with Timothy's who and reminds him he comes from a generation of unfeigned faith. There is an established track record of faith in his family line. The gift of God has been placed on the inside of him. God has not given him the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul goes on to say, Timothy, you can endure, you can bear, you can undergo, you can stomach hardness because you have been appointed. God has saved you. He has called you with a holy calling, not according to your works, but according to his own purpose and grace. He has abolished death through Jesus Christ in exchange for life and light that can only be found in the gospel of truth. Paul, Timothy's life coach, goes on to say to Timothy, look at my life as an example. Paul says, the things I suffer, I suffer. Prison and chains. I am not ashamed because I know in whom I believe and I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him. And by the Holy Ghost who dwells in me, he is able to keep me and all that he has committed to me. For all these reasons, Timothy, because of these things, therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The new century has ushered in days of hardness. We are living in a national pandemic that is impacting every aspect of life as we know it in our natural world. We're seeing political corruption and racial unrest like never before. It's hard to watch. And for some of us that have been directly touched by it, sometimes it's hard to bear up under it all. But right out of the gate, I want to encourage you as Paul encouraged Timothy. I want to first remind you that there is a track record of those who have gone before you, who did not waver in their faith, but believed God and hoped against hope. You may say, not so in my family, but I want you to look at Hebrews 11 because you also have a spiritual family. I want to remind you that the gift of God is on the inside of you and he has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. You can endure hardness because you have been appointed. God has saved you and called you with the holy calling according to his own purpose and grace. You shall live and not die because death has been conquered and the grave has been swallowed up through Jesus Christ. You shall live and not die and you shall see the good hand of the Lord in the land of the living. Why do I say this with confidence? Because God will use what is on you to birth what is in you. So endure hardness as a good soldier. 
Why do I say this with convincing? Because like Paul, my own life is an example. And I say the things that I suffer, I suffer. I am not ashamed because I know in whom I believe. And I am fully persuaded, I am unswervingly decided that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him. And by the Holy Ghost who dwells in me, he is able to keep me and all that he has committed to me. But all these reasons, because of these things, I say to you, therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, because what is on you in due time will bring forth all that God has put on the inside of you. Like so many others right now, I am working remotely, but on this particular day, I had gone into the office, and while driving home, the Lord posed a question to me. Do you know why birthing fails? And I immediately began to think about the ages of my own children, now 40, 38, and 35, and even my own age, now 60 years old. I began to rationalize all the reasons as to why God should not be approaching conversations about pregnancy with me. I was uncomfortable with that question because I didn't know just where he was going. But before my mind could wander too far off course, he answered the question and he said, birthing fails when you don't know how to focus, breathe, and push through the pain. Birthing fails when we don't know how to focus, breathe, and push through the pain. Isaiah 66 and 9 again says, Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith thy God? So if God is not holding up the birthing, then what is? If the birthing chamber is not the problem, then what is? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask that you anoint my lips and let every word be released with the skill and precision of a well-trained spiritual midwife. Let my words be filled with life that causes leaping in our spiritual wounds in Jesus' name. What is on you is necessary to birth what is in you. The Lamaze Method, if you've had children or know someone who has had children, you're probably familiar with the, with the Lamaze Method. The Lamaze Method is popularly known for its rhythmic breathing techniques, which emphasizes active concentration and promotes relaxation during childbirth. It is a method that helps in diverting the attention from the pain of contractions during labor. Medically speaking, according to Miller Keen Encyclopedia and Dictionary of Medicine, the Lamaze method is a psychoprophylactic technique of training the mind and body for the purpose of modifying the perception of pain during labor and delivery. The mother 
along with her birthing partner, learn about the birthing process, the mechanisms of labor, and are also taught what to expect and what is expected of them during the birthing process. Giving birth can be hard, and while the Lamaze method makes no claim to the complete absence of pain during labor and delivery for everyone, it can, at the very least, create an atmosphere that is free of fear and anxiety during the birthing process. Pressure and pain go together with the birthing process, and although it can be reduced to some degree, as with the with the Lamaze method and other birthing techniques, the truth is that without pressure and without pain, the birth canal would never expand to its fullest capacity to release life into the earth realm. The pressure and the pain are necessary and key, and it may not feel good in the moment, but the elation that follows somehow makes it all worth the while. When God said birthing fails when we don't know how to focus, breathe, and push through the pain, I began to really study the Lamaze method because I believe that what can be achieved in the natural is already accomplished in the spirit realm. I began to meditate and ponder the questions God asked in Isaiah 66 and 9, shall I bring to birth and not cause to bring forth? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb? God is ready to bring forth in our lives. In fact, our spiritual chambers are designed to release the gift of God out of our lives into the world. The gestation period is fully come. It's time. So why are our spiritual wounds ceasing to bring forth? Because we are not focused and we don't know how to breathe and push through pain. So instead, when pressure comes, when pain hits our lives, rather than enduring hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, we run. And I'm not just talking to you today. I'm talking to me too. But I believe that if we can get it, if we can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, if we can understand that what is on us is necessary to birth what is in us, I believe we will find the strength to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord in our situations and in our circumstances. I want to talk about Hagar, Hagar's story, a young handmaiden from the book of Genesis 4, the fourth chapter, verses 4 through 15. Hagar was a runaway. You can go and read the story. Hagar was bought as a slave and brought into her master's house to be given to Abram by his wife Sarah so that she could become impregnated by him. Being that Sarah was barren, it seemed like a rational 
decision, at least, until her pregnancy became a matter of pride for her and a matter of contention between she and Sarah. Abram, true to his Adamic nature, quickly deferred. This is not my problem, Sarah. I just did what you told me to do. Deal with Hagar however you want to, Sarah. That's between the two of you. Go, do whatever you gotta do. And when Sarah dealt hardly with Hagar, she fled from her face. She ran away. Pregnant with God's plan and pregnant with God's purpose, she ran away. When the pressure and pain got to be too much for Hagar, she said, I'm out of here. I don't have to take this. Besides, I was doing you a favor, Sarah. You need me. I don't need you. And she ran away. God sent an angel to interrupt her journey. And although God understood her dilemma, and that she was in a set of circumstances that she never asked to be in in the first place, God did not allow his compassion for one to override his plan for the nations. Hagar, Sarah's maid, where are you coming from? Where are you going? The angel asked her. And Hagar didn't hesitate to say that she had gotten into it with Sarah, but he said, go back, go back. Return and submit yourself to her. The angel began to reveal that there was a bigger plan at work. Submit yourself. Hagar was not the main character in the story. She may not have been the plan, but she was part of a plan. We may not always be the main character in the unfolding of God's story, but we can be assured that if we are not the plan, we are a part of a plan. So I say to you, go back. Go back. Submit. Sometimes the thing that God desires to birth out of you is for the place you are in, not the place you are going. We get so hyped up by next level mentality in the church that we skip over what God wants to impart to us in the here and now, in the level that we're in. That is necessary for us to be sustained in our next level. Don't run. Go back. Go back. Return. Now let me make clear. That is not a one size fits all instruction. If you are being abused in any way by anyone, I would certainly not admonish you to stay in those conditions. What I am saying is that we have to be discerningly aware that God can and will use pressure and pain in our lives to bring forth his plan and purpose in the earth. We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called the called according to his purpose. So when running isn't an option, how do we go through the pressure and pain? How do we endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ? We focus, we breathe, 
and we push. We focus on his word. No matter how long or how often contractions are occurring in our lives, his promise is an antidote. The word of God will modify our perceptions and renew our minds. His word helps us to know what to expect and what is expected of us. Focusing on his word does not mean we won't feel pressure and pain, but it does mean that if we work to ensure that the promise of God is more pronounced in our lives, it will get us through. We have to breathe. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Though we, we are formed, we did not come alive until God breathes on us. Take a deep breath. Deep breathing, among other benefits, decreases stress and increases calm. It relieves pain and detoxifies the body. It lowers blood pressure and increases energy. Inhale the breath of his life, fresh and anew. Breathe. You're going to be okay. Breathe. And we have to push, push past the little things, push past the comments, push past the looks, push past the isolation, push past being misunderstood, push past being accused, push past being ignored, push past the disrespect, bear down and push like never before. Those that are around you who think you don't have anything in you need to see God's plan and purpose break forth out of you. The pain and pressure is intended to put you in the right posture and in the right position for pushing. So push. There's one final thing I made note of from Hagar's story. It was as if she had a sudden epiphany. After the angel told her what he was telling her, her focus shifted from her pressure and pain. And in verse 13 it says, She gave his name, this name, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. You are the God who sees me. You are El Rohi, the God who sees me. He is the God who sees me. Once Hagar settled within herself, God sees me. She made an about face and headed back to the place of God's plan and purpose. It no longer mattered to her how Sarai, her earthly master, saw her. Her confidence was now knowing that God, the master of all, sees her. I can only imagine that on her journey back she was declaring that I can do this, I can do this, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wherever this message finds you today, or wherever you may 
go back from or return to after hearing this message. There is something you need to know. God sees you. God sees you. He knows just where you are, even in the wilderness place. And be assured, He will make provisions for you in the hard place. I'm certain of this because I've been in some hard places in my lifetime, far more than what I may look like today. When I didn't have no job, no money, and no food to feed my three babies, when I returned home after prayer meeting, my porch was covered with brown paper bags filled with groceries, and not just any groceries, specific to what I would buy. I checked with members of the church. I checked with family members, and no one brought the groceries by. All I can say is, he is El Rohi, the God who sees me. When I didn't have a $5 for gas to get back and forth to work for the next two weeks, he was El Rohi, the God who sees me. Before I headed off to work that day, I checked my wallet to make sure the $5 was still there. All morning while at the office, I was checking my wallet. $5? Yep, still there. During my lunch break, I headed to the gas station to get the $5 of gas. And when I got to the station, which was just down the road, and before getting out of my car, I checked one more time. This time, not only did I see my $5 bill, I saw a brand new $20 bill. All I can say is, he is El Rohi, the God who sees me. And he is El Rohi the God who sees you. Don't lose heart. The pressure and pain you are dealing with, that that is on you is necessary to birth out what is in you for the fulfillment of God's big plan and purpose in the earth to his honor and glory. So endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. God bless you.